0: Thank you, Chris. Thank you all for the reflecting uh, kind of worship songs, isn't it? Just to introduce us in the, in the subject for this morning. Welcome, everyone. It's great to see you all. Really great to see you all. Such a nice place to be, to listen to God's words for us, to worship his name, to learn from him, to let ourselves transformed. By his Holy Spirit. We're preaching, as you know, a series from the Beatitudes, the greatest sermon that Jesus ever gave, as it is considered, on the Sermon on the Mount. Thank you, Mandy, for the message last time, last Sunday, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We learn a lot from that, and we, we were presented with extensive examples from the scripture, like a summary of the Bible, if you've been here. If not, please listen online. So, it was a lot in there, so thank you for that. Um, we feel blessed already, aren't we? I feel blessed already through all the messages that have been given from this series. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are the meek, and um, I was pleased to see that this series has inspired some of our fellowship to do their own research. So before I go into today's Beatitude, uh, I was provided with another version of the Beatitudes for the elderly. So before we start, let's look at this Beatitude for the elderly by Clarice Posey. Blessed are they who understand my faltering steps and shaking hands blessed who know my ears today must strain to catch the things they say blessed are they who look away when tea is spilled on the cloth that day blessed are they with cheery smile who stop to chat for a little while blessed are they who never say you've told that story twice a day blessed are they who make it known that I'm loved, respected, and not alone. How lovely was that? So we just need to make time for our elderly folks, and uh, you are a blessing for us, all of you who are here. God bless you. Um, Such a nice version, isn't it, that shows how we should love one another, how we should care for one another. So make time to go and say hello to to someone today. Well, the message... For today, it's another tough one, I'm afraid. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, we'll be looking at, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's a tough one, isn't it? So I was, as I was preparing, I think God just turned me over on one side to another, and just um, I personally you know, learned a lot from, from this one. So it may be a bit of a tearful mourning um, Perhaps um, for some of us Or just uh, uh, to reflect on this amazing statement that Jesus made here And I'm conscious the children are here uh, So I'll try to um, skip some of the more tougher uh, ideas But we know children can understand a lot I mean, Matthew last week had a question for Luca He said, when the world is going to end? <laughs> if you want to know the answer, please ask Luca um, Laughter But our children understand a lot more than we think. So I think it's not by chance they are here this morning. So blessed are those who mourn. That's, That's weird for our ears, isn't it? In this society where everyone is looking for happiness. Everyone is looking for good things in their lives. And Jesus has a way of challenging our ways of thinking, our ways of living in a way that nobody else does. So blessed are those who mourn. What does it mean exactly? Um, and in Ecclesiastes, we have this verse here. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. So today is a time for us to reflect on what it does actually means. We can translate this as saying, happy are the unhappy, isn't it? Um, In other translation, it says, blessed are those who cry. And some interesting facts. Do you you know the eye produces an average 15, 30 gallons of tears each year? An absence of tears can be damaging for your eyes, actually. And emotional tears are beneficial, in in a way, for our body and mind. And did you know that actually only humans can share emotional tears. Of course, animals can express their feelings in different ways, but only humans can express emotional tears. Why do you think that is? So we're going to unpack this morning. God knows sometimes this earth, we need tears on this earth. And you know, very often we're complaining in UK about the weather. It's too cloudy, it's too wet, too much rain... But you know that too much sun is also not good. I mean, you can ask the countries, people from countries where there is desert. They will be so thankful for a weather like this. More rain. More tears sometimes in our lives. Otherwise, our lives will become like deserts. So sometimes maybe we need those tears. And C.S. Lewis once wrote... God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts out in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a death world. What types of mourning or sadness can you think of? Well, is this worldly sadness, in a way, when, you know, we are sad because we want more from life, we haven't achieved this, we would like to have that you know so that worldly sadness for things that we haven't achieved yet and that's fine but i don't think that's the main message here of course it's mourning because we've lost someone dear to us and we know in our fellowship we have brothers and sisters who went through these painful moments in their lives and all of us at some point we had someone that dear that we lost So this is definitely a message for us today, for you, from our Lord Jesus this morning. But there is another type of mourning. That spiritual mourning, that biblical mourning, if you like, because we have sinned. And another one, because someone else's have sinned. What does it mean? It means to really understand the gravity of our sins. It is when we are crushed in our hearts and soul over our sins. Understanding the price that was required, the brutal death of God's only son. And I think this is the focus of Jesus' blessing in this um, beatitude. Of course, all others, they, they are important. So we see... In Apostle Paul's writing, this kind of grief in 2 Corinthians, for example, where he says, I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity of their lives. We who are parents, we understand what it means to grieve for our children's mistakes and sins, don't we? We know what it means. And this is God's heart here. He wants us to be in the right place. Paul writes as well with that parental feelings for for, for the churches he ministered to. But also it's easier to see, of course, the sin in others. But have we learned to mourn for our own sins? Remember the woman caught committing adultery. There were... Men around her ready to throw the stone. And what did Jesus say? Those of you who have no sin, throw the stone first. Which he was basically saying, we all in the same place. To feel sorry, for example, for the wasted time in my life when I could have lived more for God. That is the mourning we're talking about here. Sorrow for the wasted time. Money, money, resources in activities and pleasures that they didn't brought us much. For example, worldly, worldly sorrow could be, I wish I could have traveled more. Yeah, me too. But I wish I could have traveled more to spread the gospel. We see the difference. I wish I could have traveled more for God's purposes. And in this age we live in, we don't talk too much about sin. You know, how dare you? may be offensive for people. It makes us feel uncomfortable. But we have to remember we are all broken in this world. And to remind ourselves the price that God paid for us. So mourning in this context is an act of repentance and sorrow over the sin and our sinful condition. Let's look next, what is the attitude Of someone mourning, I mean, in the Old Testament, people were more outwards, if you like, expressing their sorrows and their grief. For example, tearing their clothes, and we have those examples there. Shaving their head, uh, ashes on the head. We were expressing the grief and the sorrow for a loss they had in their life when someone dear passed away. Or the sorrow for, for the sin, sins of the people. But unfortunately, this became kind of like a public display. And the prophet Joel comes and reminds us, "Rend your heart and not your garments. You know, people were displaying this kind of acts of showing how, how godly they are. But God knows our hearts. God looks into our hearts and the authors of the Bible understood the gravity of sin. I mean, James writes quite harshly. If we look in, that, in those verses there, it says, Submit yourself then to God. Resist the devil, and he will free from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. You see, yes, God tells us the truth as a loving father. A true friend will tell you the truth. You know, you have something on your cheek. Clean yourself. You know, a true friend will tell you when you do something wrong. Imagine you're driving in a convertible car with much speed in a sunny weather, and someone comes from the other direction, and you know there is a storm coming. You will warn them. Cover your car, otherwise you'll be flooded. That's what God does here. But you see, he doesn't leave us there, down there. He says he will lift you up. The true restoration of our souls is in the Lord. And I've learned during these years here in UK that British people, they're not very good in expressing their feelings. Do you know what? I've learned that. You know, the world is falling apart. Oh, yeah, let's step, step back and have a cup of tea. <laughs> you know, we in, in, in Latin languages, we're speaking with our hands and, you know, we're gesturing a bit more. But, you know, we are who we are. Here, you just keep it under control. Keep it cool. People in the Bible were not like that. They were shouting. They were crying. So maybe something for us to learn. You see... This was a lesson I was reminded preparing this message because I'm quite smiling if you've seen me, in, uh, you've seen saw me around. But according to Jesus, our Christian life is not all joy and laughter sometimes. You know, fill of the Holy Spirit, yeah, joyful. It's not quite like that. I mean, that's the prosperity gospel. We know it's spread somewhere else. The term, Come to God and all your life will be on a cloud with a harp singing. It's not like that. Jesus didn't promise us this earth. He promised us eternal life in his presence. And Jesus himself wept over the sins of others. If you remember, he wept for the Jerusalem. He wept for the city. In Psalm 119, the Psalmist says, Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law is not obeyed. We would like to have this more passion for people seeking God's face I would like to have Paul's heart here like in Philippians chapter 3 verse 18 for as I have often told you before and now tell you again even with tears he was telling them with tears he wanted them to understand the love of God he wanted them to understand what God has done for them so is this challenging question when was the last time we cried Because we realize the gravity of our sins. When was the last time we cried because we heard the word of God and it cuts in our heart? And that is the challenge we have this morning. Because you know the devil wants us to keep it quiet. The devil wants us to keep it quiet as much as possible about our sins, about society's sins. Everybody does it. That's fine. Keep going. But in Romans chapter three, twenty-three, the Bible just tells us, you know, straight away. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then Paul goes on and says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. So God tells us the truth and gives us the solution. And that's what we should be doing with our lives in our hearts. You know how many outside of these worlds really believe, and who is praying for the people in our town? Who is praying for London? Who is praying for the people in UK? Who is praying for people in your countries, in my countries? We see this is about what Jesus says in here: "Blessed are those who mourn." Let's look at some of the examples in the Scripture. And we have many, many examples. For example, in the prophets, Jeremiah, in his book of Lamentation, there is mourning there about the, you know, the sins of the, of, the, of the nation and how the Jerusalem was destructed. Zechariah goes on in his mourning for the one they pierced. This is a lovely prophecy about Jesus is coming. People will mourn for what happened. And then he's Luke chapter 7, an example of what it is to be sorry for, for our sins. Jesus was invited in a Pharisee house and a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As She stood behind him at his feet weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair. Kiss them and pour perfume on them. She knew how much Jesus forgave her. And Jesus says, for the ones who have forgiven more, they will love me more. What an example is there of a person being sorry for, for what she's done. We look at Peter, Apostle Peter, great apostle. After denying Jesus three times, he says there that Jesus looked at him. Can you imagine that look on Jesus' face when he prophesies about Peter? You will deny me three times. And then Peter just swearing, not knowing Jesus. And then Jesus looks at him. Imagine those eyes. That's it. Imagine Jesus looking at you this morning and looking at me this morning. Those loving, forgiving eyes. And what Peter does? He goes out. And wept bitterly, not just wept, bitterly. Because when we understand the love of God, the love of Jesus, our heart will respond accordingly. And Paul shouts in Romans chapter 7, What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And he goes on and says, Thanks be to God who delivers me. Through whom? No one else but Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see, the problem sometimes is not that we make mistakes or we, we sin, because we're all right broken. The problem sometimes our reaction after we've sinned. Are we sincerely asking for forgiveness from the bottom of our hearts? And why is this beatitude important? Let's go, next point. Well, godly sorrow leads to repentance. That is amazing. Apostle Paul says here, and this is available for me this morning, if I caused you to be a bit upset, please bear with me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7, Apostle Paul says, Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, But because your sorrow led you to repentance, for you became sorrowful, as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. You see, the world today is looking for preachers, isn't it, to tell them what they like to hear, makes our lives, you know, what we already know. Sometimes we need to be challenged, don't we? Sometimes we need to be challenged. And an essential element of the gospel was a call to repentance, wasn't it? To be part of the kingdom. And also it's important because our worship depends on our heart and whether we have repented or not. In Matthew, for example, chapter 5, 23 When someone went to the temple to worship with their gifts, um, with their offerings, he says, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and they remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there. Leave the worship there, basically, in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Our worship depends on our heart. Psalm 51 says the same. A broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart to you, Lord. That's something you not despise. So that is our calling today. And to mention quickly, you know where there is another place that Jesus mentioned a couple of times, actually, there will be weeping. It's the hell. We don't like it. But he mentioned a couple of times that that will be the place of whipping and gashing of teeth, and this is the reality that he presented us with. And we can't just go around it, you know. Again, in his love, he presented us with the reality of what's what it is, so that in being aware, we can make the right decisions, you know. Since God is a God of love, he wants everyone to understand. The dangers. You know, you have a child. You will tell him about the dangers. We have discussions when they go to school. And I say to them, don't talk to strangers because something bad may happen to you. Don't eat cookies for anyone that you don't know. Right? We teach them. Don't go in cars with strangers. Stay away from bullies. We are warning them. Why? Because we love them. Because we want them to be safe. And then you give them a hug. Say, I'll see you after school you see that's exactly what God does here because he loves us he tells us how we can be saved and that is a big news for us and the last point why is it important well trials are testing our faith I mean it's this text in James consider it pure joy my brother and sister wherever you face trials of many kinds what considering poor joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Challenging, isn't it? But it's true. On this earth, we will have that. But enough with the sorrows. Let's look at the blessed promise from, for the last two points this morning. So after these warnings... We see the promised blessing. Blessed are those who mourn. Why? Because they will be comforted. Wow. And Isaiah 61 is this verse again. The sovereign Lord is on me. This is about Jesus. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to comfort all those who mourn and provide for those who grieve, To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Remember, people were grieving putting ashes on their heads. Now Jesus is promised a crown of beauty for us this morning. The oil of joy instead of mourning. We mourn, we repent, we ask for forgiveness. And God is promising a joy that surpasses all understanding. And a garment of praise. Remember people who are ripping off their clothes, their garments. Jesus comes in and says, I will give you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Do we believe this? That's amazing news, actually. After all the sorrow we heard, this is amazing news for us. You know the shortest verse in the Bible? You know that. Jesus wept. Jesus wept. Showing that he's not agreeing with the suffering of this world, with the problems, with the sinful nature. He wept, which means he doesn't agree with what's happening. He didn't create us for that. Something else is coming, more beautiful, more real. What is the promise? They will be comforted. When? I have to break it to you. For some of us, it may not be on this earth a full Comfort. Although Jesus is on our side. Whatever we may be going through. He promised he is with us every day. But imagine the amount of tears in this world last year. Imagine the amount of tears in the last 10 years. All the people suffering. Abused. Wars. Taken out from their homes. During war. Imagine all those tears. And you know what? I think Jesus counted all those tears. In Revelation chapter 21, verse 4, he says, He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or cry or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. My friends, we're living in the old order of things now. But look forward with hope and faith. There will be a day when Jesus will wipe your tears dry clean. Amen? I mean in conclusion the last point just to leave you with that hope and not just down there in regret and sorrow sooner or later we will all go for mourning unfortunately we will all go through that but never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light I like this verse this is my motto for my life Never doubt in dark what God said to you in light. My motto. And also, we are called to comfort each other. Remember, the morning on this earth lasts for a little while, but with God, we will be with Him forever and ever. What is a hundred year compared to a million years? What is a hundred year compared to ten million years? Nothing, isn't it? Like a drop in the ocean. That is the promise that Jesus made us here. But until then, he is quoting us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 11, Therefore, comfort each other. Encourage one another. And build each other up. Just as you also are doing in this church. I can see many, many times people are lifting each other up. So the message is, keep going. Keep doing. Amen. So, I will end up with this verse. That is another great promise. You know, Jesus, when he gave us that beatitude, he knew after his death and resurrection, we will have an amazing comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in our lives in John fourteen twenty six, But the comforter, the advocate, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. And this comforter gives real assurance that we have been forgiven. And this spirit of God makes us say, Abba, Father. This spirit of God makes us know we are the children of God. Saved and ready to be received in his presence. Amen. God bless you all.